One of the things that's been fascinating is looking at, at companies that which have introduced a mentoring program and just said told people, right, go away and mentor. And the failure rate is extremely high. We estimate that if you don't educate people, only about a third of relationships really deliver any value. From Ellis International, this is the Career Success Podcast. I'm Lauren Stiving, and on today's show, David Clutterbuck, professor, author, and serial entrepreneur, shares his secret behind increasing the success of retaining talent, recruitment, succession planning, and diversity management. Yeah, I really wanted to, to invite you here today to discuss mentoring. You know, it's a big passion of mine as well. I think, if I recall correctly, that you had written 75 books by your 75th birthday. Correct, um, yeah. <laughs> and I saw that, I think it was your research that had proved what I personally suspected was that mentoring has positively impacted organizations in terms of retention, recruitment, succession planning, as well as communication between silos, et cetera. So yeah, what have you found to be the reason why mentoring is so beneficial? Mentoring has been around for a very long time. The concept of a mentor goes back to the Odyssey, so 3,000 years or more. And modern mentoring comes to us through the uh, the court of King Louis XIV, um, a cleric called Fenelon, who continued the story of Athena, the goddess of wisdom having conversations with people to help them think things through. So it's all about wisdom. Mm -hmm. We've got a a wisdom deficit in the world right now. Uh, We can see it everywhere around us. People are making stupid decisions. People, um, conspiracy theories, you you name it. There's a deficit of wisdom. And mentoring is all about helping people to reflect and and become wiser. So we can see the benefits of that for individuals, for organisations, and for society as well. Once people begin to to think and reflect in a structured way, then we get all sorts of positive benefits. You know, what, what does a mentor do? A mentor is a sounding board. They help you to think things through. They challenge your thinking. Salespeople, um, number of pieces of research, um, in their first year, sell 20, on average 20% more than people who are not mentored. We find that, uh, although in the States, people tend to be back at work before they've even done changed the first nappy, in many countries, you have a year or more of maternity leave. Coming yeah. back is hard, but mentoring actually helped that transition. People are more likely to come back and they are more likely to fit in and get hit the ground running when they do return to the organization. I'll give you an example of my own my own experience. When I was a young journalist, then working for McGraw-Hill, I was taken aside by my mentor who said, David, just go and look at the managers in this company. And he didn't tell me any more than that. So I did. Then he said, well, what do you see? He said, and I said, I don't see anybody who's got hair down to their shoulders. He said, yeah, so there's a piece of information for you. You do with it what you like. So I got a haircut and I got promoted. And, and I, you know, <laughs> this, it's this, this, this ability of the mentor to help you see what's in front of you. Yeah, as well. I, I know you mentioned the piece of wisdom. I would say very trendy now and also I think beneficial, the reverse mentoring. So you don't yeah. necessarily need to be the oldest to be the wisest, I would say. So how have you found, you know, let's say more junior individuals, 18 to 25 year olds doing reverse mentoring? Are they just as capable as more senior individuals? Absolutely. And in fact, we've got a whole program. We are trying, we are aiming to get 5 million school age mentors. So if kids can get can learn the skills of being a mentor um, at an early age, when they come into the workplace, they don't have to relearn it. They've got it already. Yeah. And organizations, by the time people get to be their first manager, they've probably be, learned a lot of behaviors from a bad manager themselves. Mm-hmm. 
They don't know how to mentor. They can't command and control and, and so forth. If you've already got the skills of being a mentor, you come into the workplace with them. And it's so powerful. But reverse mentoring is something that's evolving. It started off looking at the way that, that uh, linking junior and senior people and the junior person being more computer literate would actually help person to um, be able to find all the gimmickry on, on PowerPoint or whatever. But it evolved from that dramatically. Much more now used as a vehicle for educating for senior people in the organisation to look at the world through the perspective and the eyes of a different gender, a different generation, a different cultural background. But even so, we've developed beyond that as well. So reciprocal mentoring now is much more about changing the systems inside an organisation. So if you think about reverse mentoring, the a more senior person gets a, a deeper understanding of the way other people think and different perspectives and their own privilege. And they're able to use that in their own immediate area. The more junior person gets an insight into the politics of the organisation and how to manage a career, how to work the system, basically, to manage their own career. But that just affects a few people. And in fact, you could say that it, it actually reinforces a lot of the barriers to advancement for people from black and minority ethnic backgrounds. Everybody can say, well, look, he or she um, got through the system and they've been successful. And so what reciprocal mentoring now does is to say mentor and mentee, well, you're both mentors to each other. You come together, all of the other things that we've talked about are there, but you have additionally the responsibility to identify the barriers to advancement, for example, for people of colour. We bring together mentors and mentees, a whole group of them, and say, how can we address that system? And this is the leading edge of mentoring right now, and mm -hmm. it's very powerful. Yeah. And what do you think that mentors should think about before becoming a mentor? Um, it may seem easy from the outside, but what do you think they should be prepared for? One of the things that's been fascinating is looking at, at companies that which have introduced a mentoring program and just said, told people, right, go away and mentor. And the failure rate is extremely high. We estimate that if you don't educate people, only about a third of relationships really deliver any value. And they keep slipping into sponsorship which is nothing to do with mentoring. Sponsorship and being a mentor, sponsorship is about, about taking charge of your career for you. Being a mentor is helping you to grow and to develop and become the person that you can become. And so the mentor needs to understand the limits of the role and to get some skills and a toolkit around it. It's important that both mentors and mentees, because they've got to take responsibility for managing the relationship, have appropriate training. So if you don't train anybody, the maximum that we've seen in any organization is that 30% of the relationships deliver any significant value. If you train just the mentors, you double that. If you train mentors and mentees, and then you educate the line managers, you push that up in almost all cases that we've been able to see to over 95%. Those are some pretty impressive numbers. And yeah, yeah I think that at least from what I've seen from organizations that the mentoring program seems like a great initiative. But the amount of work, maybe they've underestimated the amount of work that actually needs to go into it and the amount of full-time employees that need to be supporting it, et cetera. So I guess you've probably seen something similar that they just underestimate the amount of work that needs to go in it. If you want to have 500 people from an organization, that's a tremendous amount of people. 
Yeah, but there are lots of ways of actually making that burden a lot easier. If you take graduates, for example, into an organization, what's the best way for a graduate to learn the organization and what's going on? Make them at least part-time part of the steering group or the work group that supports this. There are lots of mentoring platforms out there. Most of them are not very good. And one of the reasons they're not because it's because they're basically a matching process rather than a supporting process. And there needs to be some system in place to support people in the mentoring relationships to check if everything's working. The relationship goes through clear phases and you want to make sure those transitions are all happening. One thing that happens a lot, for example, is what we call relationship droop. You've talked about all the easy things, but you haven't got enough of a trusting relationship to get into the really important deep things. Mm -hmm. And so having the support network there can be really helpful. Having a steering group and having volunteers, using your graduates and so forth, these are all ways that you can actually uh, quite radically improve the impact of the mentoring program, but also the cost of it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be incredibly expensive. And I know there's a lot of confusion around mentorship, sponsorship, but also mentorship and coaching. What would you say are the difference between coaching and mentorship? The word coach didn't appear until the mid-1800s, and then it was a joke. All the way up to the mid-1980s, really, coaching was seen as a highly directive form of instruction. And, And basically, coaching has become powerful by adopting a lot of the tools and techniques from mentoring. There's a lot of of misunderstanding. For example, the idea that mentoring is is directive. You're telling people and advising people. There's never been the case. The reality is both mentoring and coaching are there to help people achieve clarity. So if you help somebody understand their internal world and what's going on there, their fears and their hopes, their aspirations, their strengths, their weaknesses, and so forth, and you help them to understand their outside world, what are the opportunities out there? What's changing in, in our sector? Who's looking out for me and to be able to achieve what I want to achieve? Mentoring and coaching, they bridge that gap, the conversation that links your clarity internally and your clarity externally. The only difference really between coaching and mentoring is that mentors are likely to empathize more with the situation you're in, be able to ask uh, more pointed questions mm-hmm. and be able to give you more context than a coach because they can. They've been there and experienced it. But there's an enormous difference between giving somebody context, which helps them with the quality of their thinking, and giving somebody advice, which is doing the thinking for them. Mm-hmm. And this clarity in mentoring programs, once mentors get this idea that actually they are to create this clarity for people so people can make their own choices and their own decisions, then the relationships just blossom. And what advice would you give to those who have never had a, a mentor and are looking for a mentorship relationship, them as the mentee? What advice would you give them? It's thinking about the transition that you want to make. Mm-hmm. Who made that transition already? Yeah. Who do you admire and respect? Who will challenge you? And perhaps the most important thing in all of this is not to follow the instinct and find somebody who's like you. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn a lot more from somebody who's not like you. Well, David, I think that's great advice for anyone that is looking for a mentor. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts and insights on this topic. It's been a pleasure.